0: Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we, um, myself and, and uh, Courtney and Amber um, got to go on a pastor's conference this last week. Um, I got, a, got to get away. Clayton stayed home to watch the children and hold down the fort. So I brought a couple of ladies with me um, to a pastor's conference, and two days of fun, and then two days of just receiving in God's manifest presence, and it was powerful. Um, while I was there, the Lord started to speak to me from the very moment that we started to worship the Lord, and um, that's just, that's where this message comes from, is what God just was downloading to me. There's a lot that took place. When we are in the presence of the Lord, we have no idea until later on <laughs> what really takes place, but um, this is a message that was given to me through something that he was doing in that weekend, and I just felt led to, to share it with you today, and so um, how many of you know, so it's called The One. How many of you know God loves each and every one of us? Amen. Hallelujah. God loves, I thank thank the Lord that um, he loves the saint and he loves the sinner. He loves the rich and he loves the poor. He loves the one in a mansion and he loves the one begging on a street corner. He loves each and every one of us the same. Isn't that amazing? You know, uh, we as people sometimes look at the outward appearance and judge from the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. And he knows he created each one of us. And he loves each one of us all the same. And so that's the God that we serve. And that's, that's why we serve him, is he's such a loving God. And John 3.16 is scripture we all know. But I want to I point out some things today that will, I hope, bring revelation and, and insight into the heart of what God, who God is. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever, not just the, the rich, that whosoever... Not just the saint, whosoever will believe in him will have eternal life. I did not send my son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So often people condemn one another. So often when somebody's struggling, and it, and it is hard, it affects you, you know, emotionally or whatever, but so often when we go through stuff, we condemn one another and, and, and we don't wish the best for one another. And, and that's not who God is. Actually, he came and he sent his son out of love for the sinner. He sent his son out of love not to condemn, but to save the sinner and to save the world through him. Isn't that awesome? So he loves each one of us, no matter whether we're black, no matter whether we're white, no matter whether we're yellow. He says we're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the children of the world. And each one of us are his children. Each one of us. He cares about each and every one of us. So in 2 um, Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but he's long suffering towards us. He's not willing that any one of us would perish, but all of us would come to repentance. That's God's heart. He doesn't want any one of us lost or dying in our sins. He doesn't want any one of us um, to be left alone. He cares about each and every one of us. Wherever we are, he cares about each and every one of us. And he's long suffering. Thank you, Lord. His mercies are new every morning, thank the Lord. Each one of us has needed his mercies one time or another, haven't we? Right? And so why should we condemn somebody else who might be going through a trial or a tribulation or testing? Because we too need his mercy. We, too, need his long-suffering. And so the whole point of this message is how how important each one, every single one, is to the Lord so that we can see through the Father's eyes the ones that we encounter on a day-to-day basis how much he loves them, but also how much he loves us individually. We're not being overlooked. He loves us all the same. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So thank you, Lord, for being long suffering. Thank you, Lord, that he came so that we wouldn't perish, um, so that we could come to repentance through Jesus. I'm going to share this scripture. It has a lot to do with what we're talking about. Luke 15, three through seven says this. So then Jesus told them a story. If a man has a 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Isn't that interesting? That is the love of God that covers a multitude of sins. Amen? His blood doesn't lose its power. Amen? And so that means the blood that he shed is powerful enough to cover the multitude of sins that are out there in the world of the people who are not living for the Lord. God loves them just the same. And, you know, yes, he appreciates and loves each one of us who are... um, um, serving him, who are loving on him and showing him through our actions, but he loves them just the same. And um, as as I was sitting here worshiping, I heard um, the Lord remind me of a dream my son Jude had. And um, in this dream, it seems... You know, dreams sometimes seem insignificant until the Lord maybe will br- keep it, bring, bring it back to your remembrance, and then you finally ask Him, Lord, what, what's the meaning of that? I ask You for the interpretation, so my understanding is fruitful. And I just remembered, I was like, that's funny because Jude doesn't know what I'm teaching on; he has no idea. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, you know, in his own world and and whatever. But for some reason, sometimes he gets really spiritual. <laughs> and uh, he was telling me about this dream, and I kind of just let it. I just let it go in one ear and out the other and I remembered him telling me and then all of a sudden we were in the car driving this week and he starts telling me again about this dream. In this dream he said he was lost and he was alone for some reason and he was in this carnival with all these people he didn't know. He didn't know anybody and he said he was scared and he was lost and he said suddenly he heard God talking to him. Can I get through it without crying? Okay, so he heard God talking to him and telling him and giving him the directions on how to reach grandma and grandpa's house to bring him home. Why not our house? I don't know. But grandma and grandpa's house. It was a safe place. (laughs) And he was brought there, and they just welcomed him and embraced him, and they were so happy to see him. I didn't say, Jude, you know what? That means this or that. No, he began to preach at me. I didn't know he even knew this story. And he goes, Mom, I think I was the lost sheep that God cares about so much that even if he has to audibly tell me where to go to find home, that he will talk to me. And the Lord brought that back to my remembrance. He's like, that goes with your message. I was like, oh, it does. That's how much God loves each and every one of us. And it's funny because like a carnival is kind of scary. You know, (laughs) you can see that in the scary movies or, you know. So anyways, to a little boy, anywhere would be scary being lost. But a carnival on top of it, you know, where everything's kind of crazy. You don't know anybody or whatever. But all of a sudden he's lost and he hears the voice of God. Direct him to go home where he can be safe and in loving arms, and that's the Father's heart. He doesn't want one of us, I've got it, (laughs) got it. Um, He doesn't want one of us, his children lost in our sins. He doesn't want one of us dying and and, and feeling um, condemned. He doesn't want one of us being led astray into a world and feeling alone. He loves us so much that he will go out of his way Leave the 99. Search for the one that has lost its way or that doesn't know its way home to the Father. Isn't that awesome? God cares about each and every one of them as well as you as his children. And I want to show you that from the scriptures today. Um, John 4, we're going to start with, starting with verse 4. This is the woman, the Samaritan at the well. I want to see how... um, I'm going to start with verse 4, I believe. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Jesus had just gotten done preaching. He had to go through Samaria because he was going, um, heading over to Judea um, or to Galilee. And so he had to go through Samaria. He came to this town of Samaria, um, or town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground where Jacob had given his son, that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Joseph. And uh, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from his journey. And he sat down by the well, and it was about noon. I just want to pause for a second. Do you know what Jesus only did and only said what he heard his father saying and saw what his father was doing? I believe he had a little insight here. <laughs> and he, the Lord's like, stop for this one. See, He could have been like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to go with you disciples, and we're going to get food as soon as possible, because they had been traveling a long way, but God had an agenda, and you know, the word of God says our footsteps are ordered of the Lord, and so the father had shown Jesus that he wanted to stop. This is my interpretation, that he wanted to stop for this one, because why? Because she was such a great saint? No, absolutely not. She was the opposite. God cared about her so much, and, and God says, I want you to stop for this one. So when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me something to drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. Um, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would you would." I'm sorry, I'm having problems. You would have asked me for a drink, and I would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and this well is very deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us from this well to drink from himself, and did also his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water I give from that Give will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give will become a well, a springing up of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman's finally intrigued, but she's still not quite getting it. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and I don't have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go. And so finally he's like, okay, she's not getting that yet. So finally I'm going to move to this. I'm going to start giving her a word of knowledge. <laughs> go Tell your husband to come back here. Sir, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man you're now with is not your husband. And she's in shock, and she says, what you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but Jews claim that the place that we should worship is in Jerusalem. The woman woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you um, do you worship who you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is a spirit. He who worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman finally realizes, and she starts saying, Sir, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain this all to us. So she's still not quite getting the revelation here, until Jesus breaks it down, and he says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Okay, so we know, I'm I'm not going to continue reading, because it's a really, really long story, but... The moment he stops for the one, even though he, he reveals to her the things that she's been doing wrong, he reveals to her her sin, he reveals to her the fact that she's not living for God, but he says, There's coming a time, and it's now come, where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And I have come, I am He, I am the Messiah. She realizes it like a light bulb goes off and she runs in to tell the whole town. Because he stops for the one, a domino effect happens and the whole town comes to know Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We never know, this is a side trail, but we never know who we're talking to. We never know the transformation that's gonna take place in somebody that leads somebody to the Lord. Amen? That's God's job to do the, to do the growing. And so we, we never know, and I'm sure Jesus knew a little bit of the, you know, because he was Jesus, but, but he knew he was supposed to stop for this one. Why? Because God knew she would go and tell everybody else. God didn't discriminate her, judge her, condemn her, or put her down because of the lifestyle she was living. But God came to seek her out, find her, and save the lost and bring her home it sounds just like Jude's dream hallelujah Jesus cared for his lost sheep the Samaritan woman so much that he's beginning at this well to share his love and share the fact that she can come to him now and now the whole town's saved in stopping for the one Jesus his reasoning is never and we'll see this throughout the word is never to persecute yes he brought to light what what was going on in her life but it wasn't to say now you're going to go to hell because of how you've lived it was to save her to reveal to her what was going on in her life so that she would know what she's doing wrong and so his his reasoning is never to persecute to ridicule or to reject so we shouldn't ridicule persecute and reject and bring you know there's one thing to, to correct in love and to bring people to the Lord, but sometimes when it's done outside of love, we, we cause them to get further away from the Lord. And we don't want that because that's not what God wants, amen? Now here's a different situation. Um, the woman with the issue of blood. A woman in the crowd had suffered, in Mark 5, 25 through 34, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, or You know, she had seen many doctors, and she had spent everything she had to pay them. She had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can touch the robe, his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed, kind of like some of these people in Pakistan, that they just know they're healed. The moment the prayer is released, they stand up. They believe they're healed immediately the bleeding stopped she could feel in her body that she's been healed of this terrible condition so she had no proof she had faith Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him so he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched me let me stop there real quick remember he's he's being pronged on by by a huge crowd nobody everybody wants to be next to him so he's being touched by many many people but he senses The power of God go out of him and he wants to stop for this one that had faith to draw the power out he stops to give her the time of day to recognize her faith amen Jesus realized at once the power had gone out so he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my robe the disciples said to him look at the crowd pressing against you how can you ask who touched me but he looked around again to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, she came and fell at his knees in front of him and told him what had happened, what, what she had done. And he said to her daughter, so he didn't be like, he wasn't like, how could you do that? Why would you touch me like that? <laughs> what did you think you were doing, you know? Who are you? You know, you you didn't uh, have faith in me. You spent all your money on doctors, and now you're going to come to me as a last resort? Like, he didn't do that to her. Instead, he takes the time to stop for the one and says, Finally, (laughs) your faith is in me, and your faith has made you whole. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Hallelujah. So sometimes people go through struggles in their, in their physical bodies, you know? And so we see Jesus in this instance. One instance, he's stopping for the woman consumed with sin. The next instance, he's stop, stopping for the one who needs desperately healing. And he's the healer, amen? And he stops for her because of her faith in him. Now we got another situation. In Luke 19, 1 through 10, is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. He was good at what he did. He was good at robbing people, putting a little extra in his pocket. He was good at it, but he hears these stories going around circulating about Jesus, about his healing and his delivering power. And something about Jesus draws him. So we know that he's a short man. Jesus enters Jericho and he's passing through. And a man there named Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus. But he was so short, he could not see over the crowd because Jesus just constantly had a crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. But since, um, since Jesus was coming that way. But when Jesus reached that spot, he could have kept going. Because remember, he has a crowd. He has people to attend to. He has people to heal. He has people already to deliver. People already that he could save. Or people already, that, an audience already to preach to. But he cares about this one who went out of his way to see him. He could have kept going. How many times... Do we keep going past the one that we're being drawn to? I'm not talking about every single moment always, you know, always stopping. I'm talking about stopping because God's letting them stick out like a sore thumb. The Lord showed him Zacchaeus, I believe, even ahead of time. Or he was just sticking out like God's like, look at him. (laughs) Stop for this one. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people, remember, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God knew his heart was going after God. God knew that he was seeking Jesus to see him. He was hearing the stories and he believed. Was he perfect? No, he was a sinner. But remember, God came to seek and to save the righteous? No. He came to seek and to save the lost. Those who needed the healing, those who needed deliverance, those who need freedom from their bondage of sin. No one is a lost cause in God's eyes. All the the people in verse 7 began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up. See, when God shows someone his love, it brings transformation. Zacchaeus stood up and he said, Lord, look, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I have che- if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Instantly, by God stopping for him, by Jesus stopping for him, his heart is brought to Repentance. And the Lord says in response, Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus stopped for this one. Yes, faith draws God. Faith in God is what he wants. He wants to see somebody who has faith in him, who's, who's going after God. But, but that could mean, you know, you don't know any different. You're in a life of sin, you know? You're, you're lost or you're entangled in, in, in certain bondages. But yet, when you hear about Jesus, something piques your interest and, and you want to go after that. And this is where he was. He didn't know everything. But he's going after what he knows. He's going after the truth. He's going to go hear the truth. And God stops for the one. Jesus stops for the one. Remember, each time he stops, it's to bring healing, salvation, deliverance, freedom. I'm thankful that Jesus, according to Hebrews 13:8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I taught on Wednesday night, if you missed it, you missed it. I'm serious, you really missed it, unless they got it up on podcast, because for some reason, Facebook kicked us off. But it was so powerful about Christ living in us and through us. It wasn't your average Christ in you message. It was the Spirit of the Lord was upon it the entire service. Um, But when we stop for the one, when he stops for the one, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means he still wants to stop. Or the one. He's still all about seeking out and saving the lost. Maybe the Christian who's entangled in sin or or you know the one who should know better or maybe the one who never knew the Lord and and they're entangled in, 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 in relationships that, that aren't leading them to the Lord and, and aren't any good well, whoever it is or the one who's who's lost and literally physically dying and without hope unless they encounter Jesus, He wants to stop for them. He wants to show them the time of day. He wants to show them his love, his healing power, his deliverance. But the thing is, is is he's no longer walking the earth like he did 2,000 years ago. But he said, this is a better plan. I will no longer just be with you, but I will be in you. But what happens if we, his vessel, his body, doesn't stop for the one? They won't be healed, delivered, saved, set free. We're his vessel. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And he still wants to do the same work he did over 2,000 years ago. When we see him stopping for the woman with the issue of blood. When we see him stopping for, for uh, Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Someone who's, who's uh, cheating people. When we see him stopping for the, the woman who's living in adultery. He cares about them. And he came and died for those people. Amen? So what we want to do when we go into the world, we want to look at them through the eyes of Jesus. The love of Jesus, knowing that the love of Jesus can cover their multitude of sins. And knowing that the blood of Jesus never loses its power. Hallelujah. Every time he stops, it's for a purpose. Amen. Even if it's people that were cast out from other people, even if it's people that think they're the worst of sinners, God still loves them. The Samaritan woman living in sin, the tax collector who's cheating people, the woman who put all her trust in doctors and finally she's at her last straw and she needs hope. And she says, I've heard of this Jesus who heals people. You know, and I love Jude's dream because the thing is, is God's voice can be any one of us. We have this treasure in our earthen vessel so that the excellency of the power of God may not be of us, but of him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus walked this earth, and he was always showing forth the Lord's glory, giving him glory and praise through stopping for the one to bring healing and deliverance. This is what brings God glory, is sharing the love of Jesus, is showing the hope that they can have through him. Hallelujah. And here's another one that just blows my mind. The criminals on the cross next to Jesus. Jesus. Luke twenty three thirty two through 43. Two other men, when Jesus is nailed to the cross, two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed. When they come to the place called Skull, they crucified him there, along with the other criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up their clothes and casted lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers sneered at him. They said, he saved the others. Let him save himself if he is God, the Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him, and they offered him wine and vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a man, there was a written notice above him which read, king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. But the other criminal rebuked him. He said, do you not fear God? In other words, he believed. He said, since you are under the same sentence, we're punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. So he's recognizing he's the Savior. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he's recognizing he is the king. Jesus responds. Let me just say this right here. He has a lot to think about. He's dying on the cross. He's about to go to hell and be tortured for three days and three nights. But still, the worst of sinners on the cross dying because he took people's lives. Jesus stops for the one sinner. And says, Surely you'll be with me today in paradise. How much does God love his people to seek and to save the lost? And let me just put it in in these terms. God loves each and every one of you no matter what it is you're going through. Maybe nobody knows other than God that you're going through something. Yeah, you put on your church face and you come into church and you worship God and that's awesome, that's great. But it's not always easy to come to church, is it? Because sometimes you're going through stuff at home that nobody knows about. And God loves you and he stops for you to heal you, to deliver you, to save you, to set you free. I mean, if he did it for the man on the cross, if he did it for the woman at the well, Or the woman with the issue of blood. Or Zacchaeus, the tax collector. In other words, whatever sin you have in your life is not too big for God to wash away. Whatever sickness has ailed you, even if you're at your last straw, his blood can heal and deliver you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is drawing you back to himself. God is drawing people to himself. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone who has sinned, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all come short of God's glorious standard. We all need a savior. We all need a healer at some time in our lives. And he is just that. And he's ready to stop for the one if you'll just believe that He died for you. If you'll just believe that, he came to seek and save you, to heal you, to deliver you. And then the same goes for you walking around and stopping for the one out there. He still desires to do that for them as well. He's still doing the same work. This is the scripture I gave this this week in Pakistan. I didn't have it in my notes, but the Holy Spirit told me to say it right before... I minister to them the deliverance and healing. 1 John 3 8 For this purpose was the Son of God made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. What is the devil out there trying to do? Trying to kill, trying to steal, and trying to destroy. He's trying to take people's life, their eternal life. He's trying to take their physical life and bring sickness or disease. He's trying to destroy their sanity and bring oppression, depression, confusion. But God, he sent his son into the world to seek and to save the lost. To destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose was the son of God made manifest. He was made manifest already, people. And he now lives in and through us. He saved through his love, Zacchaeus. Through his love and forgiveness, the woman at the well. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. She had no hope. But when you put your hope in Jesus, that he came to seek and save you and heal you and deliver you, healing comes. Deliverance comes. Salvation comes. I just, it just baffles my mind. The man on the cross. Do you ever get overwhelmed because you have too much on your plate? Well, Jesus had a lot on his plate that day. <laughs> it's like the last thing you want to do is put one more thing to-do list on your plate, right? did it matter. He cares about, loves the one. And so... Here's one more situation. In John 8, 1 through 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came up again to the temple. All the people came to him, and they sat down, and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in his midst. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded, it commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him, that they might have some kind of charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Now, let me just stop here again. (laughs) He could have just said, and didn't want to take the time, and knowing that they were going to try to charge him, he could have just said, well, just do what the law of Moses says, because that would have been the word. But Jesus cares about this woman. And if she dies in her sin, she's not going to know salvation. So he cares about her to stop for her and take the time and seek wisdom from the father. And he, so he begins to write on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away. Um, oh, wait. So he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. Oh, I'm sorry. I fast forwarded. <laughs> They continued to ask him, and he stood up, and he said, Let him who is without sin among you cast the first stone. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, one by one, beginning with the older ones, they left. And Jesus was left alone with this woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No, not one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from here now and sin no more Jesus stops he gives her the time of day he forgives her and he compels her he tells her now from this point forward don't get entangled in this again go and sin no more each one deserved everyone has fallen short of the glory of God every single one of us did not deserve to go to heaven so how could we ever condemn anybody out there that needs the same savior, healer, deliverer, freedom giver? We can't. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of these situations, the people deserve their punishment. Every single one of them was lost but needed a Savior to leave the 99 and find them and stop for them and give them the time of day. If we'll only get this and we'll only get the the revelation of the fact that Jesus is in us and he hasn't changed and he still wants to stop for the one. The disciples, they got this. And the word of God says they turned the world upside down. How did they do that? They got excited and got a revelation that Christ lives in them and that he's still doing the same work. They started to, to take the time. And it wasn't just like about preaching to the thousands, thousands. It was about stopping for the one on a daily basis. Stopping for the one that God cares about, the one that God's having stick out. To them. Aren't you glad that God loves you so much? That he stopped for you. You all have a story. You all have a testimony to tell. That's why you're sitting here. And it's because you were lost. You were dying. You were without hope. But he loved you so much. He stopped for you. He gave his only son for you. So that you wouldn't perish that you would come to repentance. Sometimes we need to like look at that, apply it personally, and realize, oh man, God wants to do the same thing for them. Amen? And I believe that by his spirit, I, I know that God's word is true all the time, but I believe that God God by his spirit will lead us to the one that's ready to be receptive. That's ready, reaching out, saying, we don't know what they're crying out for, but God will lead us to the one who's, who's, who's lost everything they have. They spent it all on the doctors and now they've lost all hope and now they're calling on the Lord. Like this woman with the issue of blood. God, if there is a God, heal me. And then they send you. God sends you. That's when you see miracles happen. That's when you see the person come to salvation and repentance. Repentance. God will lead and guide his people by his spirit. And it's not, it's not of you, it's, it's, it's the Lord. Luke 4, 4.18, Jesus said this, and it's the same for us. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. This was his plan. And that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters that would also do this plan and stop for the one. That he loves, that he wants to heal, that he wants to save, that he wants to deliver, that he wants to set free. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in me. Lives in you. Yes, he'll quicken your mortal body, but he'll also quicken theirs. Yes, he saved you, but he'll also save them. He has not lost his power. He has not changed his plan or his agenda. His plan, his agenda is still to seek and to save the lost. The spirit of the Lord is still residing within us and upon us to heal, to deliver, to set free, to save, to bring the good news. Thank you, Jesus. You don't change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So now we come to the, the, this conference, and I'm, I started to worship the Lord this last week, and we're in our first service, first song. God's presence was so mighty, and uh, I'm just worshiping God, and all of a sudden I see see Jesus in a vision, and then I see myself turn to my left, and see we we came to uh, Florida to visit our friend Angela, who was our worship director for a while here, but her and her family moved to Florida. And she was distraught about it. She's pretty distraught. It was for her family's business and whatnot. Very distraught about leaving. Her whole family lives here, and you're her church family and everything. And um, I didn't realize she was still in that that mindset of oh, just being so upset about moving. But anyways, I did tell her we'd come visit, and um, I told her, I said, if there's a conference, you know, I'll come, especially if there's a conference, and they can come visit, and then we can... What it happened to be on, her birthday is my birthday. We both have the same birthday, and it happened to be on our birthday week, so it was extra special. Anyway, so I'm worshiping God, and all of a sudden I see myself in a vision the Lord shows me, but remember, Christ in me. Lay hands on her, front and back, and I heard the words, I always stop for the one. Now, I didn't get this download yet. This was just my first God revealing this to me and I was like oh well I didn't quite get it yet but I was like okay what does that mean Lord you know I mean I kind of know but so I sat on it because I let God bring confirmation to me I don't always just jump out and do something I wait a little bit so the whole weekend went by just anointing after anointing fresh filling fresh filling fresh filling Finally, we're at the last service, the last song. I just went through this um, line where pastors received, like, a fresh impartation and whatever. And I came and sat back down. And there's Angela. She's sitting next to me. And then I saw it again. I forgot about it. I said, like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I forgot about that. He's like, no, you didn't. You had to wait till you were, like, bubbling over. And I was like, oh, okay. So I saw myself do that again. But I didn't quite know anything else. I just knew, he says, I always stop for the one. And so I said, God's showing me a vision to lay hands on you. And she goes, go on, come on. <laughs> she's always ready for it, you know. Um, if you know her, she always wants an impartation, a word, whatever. She just wants, She's hungry for the Lord. But I leaned over and I laid hands in her front and back just like I saw. And I said, the Lord says, he always stops for the one. God began to speak through me words that I hadn't planned on with a knowledge that I didn't know. That he had ordered our footsteps, yes, to bless us, but it was all for her. Because he cares about her and because he loves her, he can plan an entire trip because he cares about one. And I began to speak that to her and tell her how much God loves her and how much he sees her and how much he, you know, all this. And man, I mean, the minute I actually said, God always stops for the one. He always stops for the one. She just broke down and just God was ministering to her. Then, you know, God gave me that word that this was all for her and whatever. And she's just breaking down. God just, just giving her a refreshing. And, uh, it was a number of minutes, and then we were kind of done. And I'm standing, I'm sitting there next to her, just minding my own business. A lot of, a lot of stuffs going on in the room, you know, prayer and and worship, and lines for pastors, and this and that. And I look over, you know, you're always kind of glance around the crowd, and I look over, and man, this person, this lady from across the room, sticks out to me like a sore thumb, like just sticks out to me. And we caught eyes, and then I just kind of like turned my eyes away, and then I talked to her, Angela a little bit, and then I'm just worshiping the Lord, and it happened two more times. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing? Like, Lord, what, what's, what's the deal with this woman? And I heard the Lord say it again. First, he said, she wants something from me. I heard him say that, and that's when I knew I'm supposed to go minister to her. And as I'm walking towards her, the Lord spoke the same three words. I always stop for the one. And I told her that she thought I was scooting through the aisle. She was going to move. And I was like, no, can I sit here for a minute? And she's like, yeah. Her name was Nancy. And um, I stopped and I sat down and I said, the Lord says you want something from him. And I was about to ask, what do you want? But then I stopped. And I said, and then I heard the Holy Spirit say that I always stop for the one. And I said, God says he always stops for the one, and she lost it. She broke down bawling and crying, and, God began, and I, I just laid hands on her, you know, with one hand, and I began to minister to her, and the Lord told her that he sees her. The Lord told her that she's not a lost hope. The Lord told her it's not over, and, and, and all this stuff that I wouldn't know. I don't know her. I've never seen her before in my life. And then the Lord told me to release to her this gift of restoration um, that he's given me to to release just to bring people back to where they were at their closest walk with the Lord. So I released that to her and man, she loses it again, just starts bawling. She finally composes herself and God just, the peace of God just filling her and God just refilling her. And she says to me, she said, you know, Remember, God said she wants something from me. Not from me, but from the Lord. Um, She said she had turned around while I was ministering to my friend. And she said to the Lord, man, I wish someone would minister to me like that. (laughs) She came there as a last straw. She thought she was done in ministry. She didn't come with a whole entourage of people. She was there alone to receive some kind of word. And she went the whole conference. Yes, the presence of the Lord was there, but she went the whole conference and she said, This is what I've been waiting for. How much does God love his people? Whether you're in the middle of a carnival and he has to send his voice, speak his voice, and lead you home. Or send you across from, across the state to reach the one unknowingly. Send someone to you. He cares about his people. He cares about you. But he also wants to use you. So there's like a two-fold message here. There's those in here. You're here on purpose because he loves you. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to save you and set you free. And then each one of us, Christ is in us. And he wants to show his love through us. He wants to stop for the people that we meet on a daily basis. He wants to minister to to them. We can't do anything. I couldn't arrange that. But the love of God brings healing, brings deliverance, brings salvation, binds up the brokenhearted. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We just praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you came to seek and to save us. You came to set us free, deliver us. The spirit of the Lord was upon you and you've been anointed to preach the good news, set us at liberty, free us, heal us, deliver us, save us. Father, I just pray, lavish your love upon your people today. For you sent your son into the world to save the world through him, not to condemn the world. If there's anybody here today, you maybe have been entangled in sin. Maybe you never knew Jesus personally. You've never received him into your heart.